Before we dive into today's episode, which I'm incredibly excited to share with all of you, I'm just warning you, I have multiple children in my home um, and we're on summer break. So I'm assuming in the next month or two, you're going to hear a lot of additional chaos. And this is just the beauty of raising children. It's the blessing and the curse. And it is also the thing that challenges us. And I think this is a perfect example or segue into today's episode. Um, I am sharing a story with you today. It's a little bit different than what I normally do. I'm doing some live coaching, live parent coaching on the podcast today with Sarah. Sarah is a current client inside of my mastery coaching program. Um, And of course, anybody who works with me inside of mastery or my mastery business program, they're very um, self-aware. They're willing to do the inner work themselves. It's a high priority for them that they repair these relationships that they feel alive and aligned, whether it's at home or in their work. But today we're, we're shifting this a little bit. And I want to give you an example of understanding that we can do all the inner work that we want as a parent. But when we're trying to see and understand our children's behavior, it's not always about them. I always say children's behavior is a language and you're going to hear me break this down in today's episode. Um, but I just want you to to consider that while you're listening to today's episode, that how is this going to filter through your own parenting? How are you seeing yourself in Sarah's um, Sarah's shoes from Sarah's perspective? And how can you put another lens? That said, I want today to be interactive with you as well. So I would love for you to head on over to Heather Chauvin dot com forward slash chat. That's C-H-A-T. So Heather Chauvin. So Chauvin is spelled C-H-A-U-V-I-N dot com forward slash chat. And this is where you can send me a question that you have, an additional question that comes out based on your own parenting. Um, and you can send it there. And I go through the list of everybody who reaches out to me. And then I also am going to be doing some live, some additional live coaching, but also some Q&As on our private parenting podcast. So we have a private parenting podcast where you can just download all the things parenting and the addition of the stuff that's coming your way. So you can check that out at heatherchauvin.com forward slash parenting. So if you just want to get specific parenting related podcasts, uh, go subscribe to that podcast over there at heatherchauvin.com. A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash parenting. And like I said, if you have questions um, or you would love to get one of your personal questions answered or the potential of getting it answered live on the podcast or not live, but pre-recorded, uh, you can send those questions, the comments. I would also love to know like what was the biggest aha moment for you uh, during today's episode. You can send that at Heather to heatherchauvin.com forward slash chat. All right, let's dive in. All right, Sarah. Hello. Hi. Thank you for being here. 
I said we're recording on a Monday and we're getting Monday. I I have Monday vibes, but this is my favorite topic ever. So we're going to dive in. We're doing some parent coaching today, some live parent coaching, and you are a mastery student. So you're willing to do, you're like, I'm willing to do the personal work, but I also want to understand what's going on in my child's world as well. So let's dive in. Set us up for the situation of what is going on with your daughter. And I'll ask some follow-up questions. Sure. So I have an 11-year-old daughter uh, who joined our family by foster care and adoption uh, when she was six years old. And given her early childhood challenges and trauma, she has a lot of um, behaviors that can be challenging to integrate into our family dynamic. Um, she's the oldest of four children. We have four kids. Uh, and so we have struggled to focus on having a relationship with her that is connected and like holding boundaries. Um, and something I personally struggle a lot with is worrying, like living in fear of what her future might hold and kind of projecting that onto our relationship. Okay. Right there. I just wanted to make a quick comment about how we have the child's challenges and then we have our own challenges. So you could hear Sarah talk about that her daughter um, was in foster care, came from adoption And Sarah has the desire to create connection and learn how to hold healthy boundaries with her daughter. And then she also made a comment about living in fear and projecting her future based on her upbringing. The reason why I wanted to make this comment is I want you to see, one, the self-awareness that Sarah has. She is aware and she probably learned a lot of, well, I think she's a smart woman, so she probably knew this previously, but we talk a lot about this inside of mastery as well, but understanding what is our fear, the the crap that we're bringing to the table, right? The projection that we're projecting onto our children based on their past. So that alone is just our challenge. That's our issue. But the child themselves still have their own emotional needs and their behavior is going to show that and indicate that. And Sarah's going to talk about that in a second. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. So number one, how do you want to feel? You kind of hinted to this already. How do you want to feel in your relationship with your daughter? Uh, I would say connected Mm -hmm. in a sense of trust. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Okay. So for those listening, just being mindful, I always ask, like, how do you want to feel? Because we all know what we don't want or what we're worried about. It's very difficult. It's very easy to, like, move away from the feeling of what we want and desire um, in that relationship with our child. So let's talk about some of these behaviors that are concerning for you. So just give me examples of now or in the past when she was younger. Before Sarah dives into the behaviors that's going to be a whole other conversation about how behavior is an actual language with our children. What I wanted to do was get your attention to get you to see and understand why I asked Sarah, how do you want to feel in your relationship with your daughter? 
because we have to understand that parenting is a relationship. So if Sarah knows, and there's a whole process that I take people through getting clear on how they want to feel and learning how to reverse engineer that. But if Sarah knows how she wants to feel when she's communicating with her daughter, right? That's the goal. She wants to feel connected and trust. Now that's the North Star where she can start to position her communication and we can be, we can develop a strategy based on how she wants to feel. What I often see people do is they go into the old paradigm of parenting, and this is where we start to punish, where we start to discipline, where we really start to develop negativity around our children or judgment around our children, when in reality, that judgment is just fear being projected. So I want you to pay very, very close attention to the question that I asked Sarah, which is how do you want to feel in your relationship with your daughter? Now let's get back to her behaviors. Sure. So I think kind of as survival mechanisms and things, we work a lot on um, telling, like the, the concerning behaviors have been things like not telling the truth, taking small things, messing with stuff that doesn't belong to her, um, and then just kind of... Um, knowing rules and being very, very smart, but sort of figuring out ways to get around those boundaries um, mm-hmm. and then sort of pretending like she doesn't remember. Uh, I could say challenging, like interpersonally in our family is a lot of times she has um, like a heightened sense of worry for the younger kids. And so she has some, you know, like parenting behaviors for them. Um, and tries to kind of control what they do and what happens to them. Like, do they get the same consequences and all that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it's just, it's been hard to get her to um, understand her emotions, like the emotional intelligence and kind of tune into that, right? In terms of like how her thoughts and her feelings affect her behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So just off the bat, and I'm curious, like after I say this, what comes up for you? Number one, child, regardless of if they're adopted or biological, behavior is behavior. Like behavior is a language. And it is very easy to project a story onto another human being because of what we know about their past, right? So oftentimes when we know about their past, we are starting to project into their future of like, oh my gosh, they're doing this because, right? Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number two is not telling the truth, bending rules, not abiding by boundaries and worrying for other, your other children. We know why this is happening, right? She's being the protector, especially the worry for the other kids. She's the oldest. She's being the protector. Her body is in a state of fight or flight. Mm -hmm. So at 11 years old, Sarah, what do you think is going on? Like if you go through a compassionate lens, you close your eyes and you're just observing her as a human, knowing what she had to go through as a child, what do you think her fight or flight response is now? Like, what do you think her energy is always 
saying or doing in her everyday life. Even if you're talking to her saying, you're safe, we got you, all of that. What do you think is happening in her little body? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think from a compassionate lens that she mostly lives in a state of feeling like she needs to protect herself. Mm -hmm. And that despite what she's been told, like no one else is necessarily going to look out for her, right? So she has broken trust with adults because of being told certain things were going to happen and then not having that stability in a home or in a foster home and sort of, you know, what the things that she can control are so small Mm -hmm. um, in the big scheme of things. So I think it's like that. I imagine she has the fear of like, she doesn't want to get too comfortable and really connected because the other shoe might drop anytime. Yeah. Yeah. And this is going to be a lifelong journey for her. This is not going to be like, you know, a script you can say to her or anything. This will literally be her, this will shape her personality. This will shape her future behaviors. Like this, there's a part of her behaviors that come from a place of acceptance or have to come from a place of acceptance. Like this is who she is. Okay. So this is where I get really, really excited when it comes to helping parents see and understand their children's behavior. So I want you to think about what I just asked Sarah. I asked her to look through a compassionate lens. And she said, through a compassionate lens, I can tell that she is trying to control the things that she can control. And she's also using it as a pers- like as a coping strategy, as a preservation strategy, right? So we know these things logically, but because we care about these people, our emotions get triggered. Now, I want to bring something else to your attention. This is something Sarah said. It's hard to get her to understand her emotions, right? Anytime you want to say it's hard to get someone else to do something, That is us as an adult, as a parent, trying to control the child's behavior. And yet, what is challenging to us and what Sarah is talking about is that we are annoyed or Sarah is annoyed that her daughter is trying to control other people and their behaviors, like the younger siblings. So watch how we are actually like our children. We are having the human experience like our children, that when we feel out of control emotionally, like when we don't know how to manage our fear, our anxiety, our overwhelm, like regardless, when we don't know how to manage our feelings, we try to control other people, right? So children are doing the exact same thing thing. So when we can see their behavior as a language, a neutral language, we stop trying to control them. And then we can get into what is this behavior actually telling me? 
A few years ago, I met Katie Wells. She is a podcast host of the podcast called The Wellness Mama. And Katie and I really connected. And since then, she has created a wellness product for conscious consumers called Wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-E. And Wellness started when Katie was struggling with her own health. And after doing tons of research, which you could probably listen to the research she was doing on her podcast called The Wellness Mama, she realized that most of the products on store shelves were filled with toxic ingredients. So of course, just like any amazing entrepreneur, she created her own product. Check out wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-E.com. And I was sent a few products and I'm not kidding. This is the first time my boys were actually willing to use a healthy toothpaste alternative. They have a few quality products. So check them out, wellness.com. And also check out Katie Wells podcast, the Wellness Mama podcast. So now let's shift. I wanna I want you to think of a time when she broke a rule. Okay, so I want you to go back in that moment and tell me when she broke a rule. And then we're gonna use the strategy of like how can we do this in a more connected way? So give me the scenario when she broke a rule. Um okay, one recent one is uh she has been staying home in the summer for the first time. And so we're giving her things to do and kind of a structure, right? She has some ADHD. So she benefits from like going through and knowing what to expect. Um, and she doesn't have a phone, but she has a watch and she's supposed to wear the watch all the time so that we can get a hold of her right when she's home. And she finished her jobs and then she didn't have her watch on and she just was like walking and looking in nature and whatever. And she um, went to a neighbor's house and didn't tell us. Um, And so we had no idea where she was and couldn't find her. Uh, So I guess the rule she broke was like going somewhere without asking or checking in and then not having a way to get a hold of her. Okay. And then what happened after that situation? Like in like after you found her and you figured out then what happened? Um, so I think it was, you know, our neighbors were able to tell us, like, let us know, Hey, she's over here. Um, we wanted you to know. She said, the other thing is, so she said, we checked if it was okay. She said, yeah, I definitely talked to them. I kind of made up those stories to be able to stay there. Mm -hmm. And so I think by the time that we figured out where she was and, um, everything else going on in the house, you know, with the other younger kids, like we were frustrated with her. And then she didn't have the sense. She often doesn't seem to have the sense of like, um, the oops, I'm sorry. I messed up. It's sort of like, but you know, I don't, I don't know why I did anything wrong. So I think that's triggering, Mm -hmm. um, because it's hard for us not to, um, we know she's very smart. So we're like, why, you know, the rules, right. And why, what did you think? And she's like, I guess you could have been worried about me, that kind of thing. Um, or didn't know we were. So she can like figure it out, but it feels like in that moment, she has a really hard time putting those pieces together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like we're like starting over on the same principles and walking her through a lot. All right. So Sarah just described probably what could be a typical experience that most parents would have, right? 
child doesn't follow through with a rule that is set in place and then parent reacts out of fear because we care about our children and we want them to be safe. So our fight or flight is going off of like, oh my gosh, where is my child? So then what happens is when we find the child, we make sure everything's okay. Our reaction is to do the fight or flight or freeze. And most of the time we want to punish the child because we want them to feel something. We want them to feel remorse and we want them to feel bad for their behavior. That's not going to actually change the behavior. Again, we have to stay neutral Again, you can manage your behaviors. You can react and be like, where were you? What was going on? We were so worried about you. You can always circle back later and say, I'm really sorry that I yelled. Um, Now that we're calm, I just want to talk about what happened. I really care about you. I love you. And I got really scared that something bad happened. So I apologize for my reaction and yelling. So now that we're all calm, and this might be a day or two later, I would love for you to talk about, like, let's go step by step. What happened? Were you thinking that it was okay? Like, and then understand that this is where the neurodiversity comes in. And when I say neurodiversity, I what I mean is every brain is different. And then we add trauma on top of that, right? So being separated from your biological family. And we assume because people are a certain age, they should know certain things. But I specifically remember as a child forgetting things and then getting in trouble for things that I didn't remember. And we think just because a child says they're going to do something that they're actually going to do it. But is there, does their brain have the capacity to remember those things? So as an adult, this again comes back to our emotional intelligence, which is why we need to double down on the skill of of emotional intelligence and really understanding it ourselves because our children are going to trigger the shit out of us. But again, when you are calm and you can look at this through a compassionate lens, you are able to see that I truly in my bones believe our children are not here to challenge us. They are here to challenge us. And what I mean by that is I don't think they're intentionally trying to challenge us. I think she's living in an ego-based brain. Um, you know, she's used to being independent and alone and having to fend for herself. And now she's been put in an ecosystem of people where she is responsible to, she needs to be held accountable to. She's not used to that. And she probably also has a complex of belonging and all those things. So this is going to be a skill that's going to take her time and time and time again to learn. And in order for her to learn that, unfortunately, the only thing that Sarah and her family needs to do is consistently show up for her. So she needs to do this over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then eventually, maybe eventually, her daughter will say, these people are safe. They're not going to abandon me. And I belong here. And of course, we want that much quicker than the reality of it. Um, And this is the challenge of raising humans, that it's not a one and done. There's not a perfect strategy. So let's hear what she had to say. Yeah. So I, I'm sure that we were frustrated with her and um, 
you know, I think tend to sort of do over lecturing in that moment and kind of, do you know what this means? If you can't do this and this, then we're not going to be able to trust you to do this, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of is like over explaining each time. Did she get in trouble for that behavior, like a punishment or anything like that? Uh, it's mostly on most of our consequences are honestly like talking, like be like the uncomfortable. Don't let her leave. Right. But have to like sit and talk to us about it and kind of go through it. Okay. So I'm going to give you a different perspective from a child's perspective and mm-hmm. anything that I've listened to read. And of course, my own experience working with children in care and also my own children. Um, the last it's frustrating because you care as an adult, but most of the intervention that is needed and required is like the complete opposite of our natural instinct as an adult. Right. Mm-hmm. So less talking is actually better in that sense that they just get numb and they tune it out. You've already conditioned her. Okay. I do something wrong. Um, the consequence is I'm going to get a lecture about it. And because I am very heightened in my nervous system, I can just numb it out. Like I can literally just sit there and tune out and then the cycle continues. So she's very aware of like, I know the cycle, but their consequence is way better than the consequence that I am used to, uh, in my childhood. So therefore this is easy breezy. Right. Mm -hmm. But the goal here is to actually change her behavior. This one, this is the long game. So you have to think about anything in life. This is a lifestyle. If you're like, okay, we're going to commit to this for 10 years or 20 years instead of like summertime, then it's really about that long consistency game. So in that, I'm going to take this situation as an example. What okay, so what is her currency? I'm assuming her currency would be like Wi-Fi. Like she loves having access to Wi-Fi. Yeah. Okay. So something that she what else does she really, really like? Um times with her cat. Okay. That's like one of her favorite things. Um she loves like ice cream, sweets, right? And then she has one good friend. So like being able to go to that friend's house or have that friend come over. Okay. Let me talk about currency for a minute. I asked this to a lot of parents, but I think, would you go to a job without getting paid? And most of the time people say no, right? After a while, if you really enjoy your job, great. But if um, there's no value exchange, you're going to become angry and resentful. This is how our children often feel when it comes to behavior change. A human is not going to change their behavior unless they have to get emotionally uncomfortable. Traditional model is taking away, right? I'm going to take away your cat. I'm going to take away your Wi-Fi. I'm going to take away your friends. I'm going to take away. I'm going to take away. Conscious parenting is let's reward it. I'm going to add more of what you want and desire when your behavior is changing and reward you for your intentional effort. So in this case, as I'm talking to Sarah, I'm like, be incredibly mindful 
okay, of what your daughter's currency is. And for most kids these days, it is going to be Wi-Fi, having access to the internet. But this is also probably a whole other podcast conversation because most of the access that you give your children um, is a privilege. It is not, you know, a baseline uh, requirement of your parenting. So we are over-delivering to our children. Then we're lecturing at them, right? And they're just going numb. And that's not changing behavior. So if you want your child on board with behavioral change, you now need to make them emotionally uncomfortable. And the next thing we're going to talk about is how we do this in alignment with how we want to feel. So we're not yelling and screaming and punishing all the time. So instead of, so one, I would say talking less, like there's no, no lecturing. Like you have to go on a lecturing detox because you know that it doesn't actually change the behavior. Mm -hmm. You can have multiple conversations with her. So this is where I tell people about the red, green, yellow zone. You're in the red when it immediately happens and you're like, why did this happen? What's going on? Tell me. And she's going to be like, I don't know. She's going to be really neutral about it. Or she's going to shut down completely or she will be expansive and angry outward. So which, what's her go-to? Shut down. Yeah. And she'll, she'll go into the, she's very like smart in the sense that she'll, she's learned over time. And she just nods along, right? And says, okay, looks at us every once in a while. And like sighs and, and almost that sense of like the, the victim or like she'll even be able to tell us like, I just don't know how I'm going to do anything right. I can't change. You know, I that's just how I am, that kind of thing. So there's the fight, there's the flight, or there's the freeze, right? And you will Mm -hmm. watch children's behavior based on those three. So I have one child that likes to fight, meaning he just wants to verbally argue with me when he is in trouble. And I'm using air quotes. And Mm -hmm. I have had to learn as the parent when I have that fighter to calm down my nervous system and to talk very neutral. Oh, Mm -hmm. I can see now is not a good time to connect about this. Let's talk when we're both calm. It Mm -hmm. will take me a week. When I have that, the person that goes in, because I also have a child like that, that just goes inward, plays the victim, like super low, um, like poor me, poor me, I'm so stupid. I can't figure this out. That again is also a red zone. Mm -hmm. So it, It's not angry, but it is also a red zone. So you still need to circle back and have that conversation with her about, remember that time, you know, your watch, blah, 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 when you're in the green zone with her. So when she's doing those things, like you can, you, I know sometimes you feel like you're, I'm like, okay, what kind of mood are they going to be in? And I'm like, they're open. I can go in, right? I can ask that question. Um, My son yesterday was in a good mood. He was doing the dishes and I was like, hey, can we talk about what happened on Friday, like last month? <laughs> and, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you get that opening. And he's like, yeah, he's so open to talk about it. Mm-hmm. If you can go back and just be like, I'm so curious, like what happened? I'm so like, mm-hmm. I'm not judging you. I'm so curious. She may begin, this is connection and trust. Mm-hmm. She may let you start coming into her world of like, to be honest, I didn't even think about it because I really don't think she has the, the capacity mentally Mm -hmm. 
to know that people care about her. That's true. Yeah. Cause she's never had to be held accountable to people previously. Mm-hmm. And now as a child, like if you can put yourself in a child situation, you, d- she doesn't have the risk. Like she doesn't know what you know, mm-hmm. nor does she like, why do people care? Right. That abandonment stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you can create little tiny moments and pockets of connection, not in the moment, not when she's in the red, but after Mm -hmm. for her, just be like, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just genuinely curious what was going through your mind, your body in that moment. She's like, I don't even think about it. You're like, okay, cool. I don't care. Who cares? Like whatever she tells you, you have to accept. Okay. No lecture. Yeah. So what about, do you have any thoughts about in the moment, right? Because I think, I think it's easy to believe from my spouse and I that she, if we, this is probably like a traditional parenting thing, but if we let her get away with those things, there's no like consequence in the moment. There's no sort of, um, you know, she did something wrong. This happens. Uh, and we just, it feels like we are being really passive perhaps and like it, it happens so often right so often yeah. that it's we worry that we're not gonna get through to her unless we're kind of like staying on top of some of it okay so traditionally speaking we love punishment the child mm-hmm. knows if there's this like oh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna take away this right like they know the cycle in order to change the behavior you have to step way way back Mm -hmm. But this is where the currency comes in. So this is what it's annoying as shit. It is so annoying. But this is where you have to understand your child's currency. So I'm going to use my teenager as an example. doesn't matter who your child is, their background, the neurodiversity of their brain. You have to understand what is their currency. You have to think of it like a job. Typically, a child's currency is access to Wi-Fi or access to something. You're not taking it away, but it's an add-on if things are aligning. Mm -hmm. So you can say to her, hey, we're going to have a conversation about this later because everyone needs to be in the green. Mm -hmm. We're going to come up with a solution so this doesn't happen again. You're going to have a conversation like, what happened? Mm-hmm. What what can we do next time? There's a co-creation energy instead of you as adults projecting and telling her what's going to happen and why she's bad and all the things. Mm-hmm. Because in her mind, remember what she's hearing is I'm stupid. I'm stupid. I'm not mm-hmm. enough. So she's not going to come up with a solution. Right. And she's just going to be like her energy is going lower and lower. Like I'm dumb. Why even try? Can't get anything Mm -hmm. right. People just leave me like whatever her story is. So you come up with this. These are these conversations. So with my teenager, I'm like, listen, at base, you said your room will be clean. I notice your room is not getting cleaned and then you're running away. How can we come up with a process so the room still gets clean and you are able to do that and then go out? Right. Now with her, it's the same thing. Hey, we're letting you stay home or we're letting you do this or you're getting access to, you know, the internet or whatever it is. 
Okay. How can we help you remember these things? What do you think you can do next time? Yeah. And same thing for some of like the reminders, just like the daily reminders of doing X, Y, and Z like mm-hmm. tasks, right? If she has more, more say in them, like you said, like co-create them, maybe mm-hmm. she'll feel like we see her and understand more about what it's like for her to do them. Okay, before I dive back in, I just want to make a comment here. This is where the exhaustion of parenting starts to set in. And I've noticed this in my own personal life as well. It doesn't matter if it's a health thing for me, right? The consistency of healthy habits and trying to feel really good in my mind and my body, whether it's a business goal and it's the focus and discipline um, and the consistency in business, whether it's my marriage or another goal of mine. I just want to bring light to the fact that I understand parenting is exhausting. And right here, right here in this moment of what I'm talking about with Sarah is the challenging part. Not only are you learning a whole new skill and literally rewiring your own brain and trying to learn emotional intelligence and managing your own big emotions at the same time, and then you're questioning yourself, am I enough and self-doubt, but you're trying to figure this out with, with this child in real time. So I just want to bring light that I understand this is exhausting. You're not going to be perfect all the time. And you may need to listen to this specific episode over and over and over and over again. Um, That said, as we continue to dive in, I'm also going to make a comment that if you are somebody who is really trying to work on this and you have been looking at all the things, you're doing the therapy, you're reading the books, you're attending the workshops and you really want support, then send me a message at Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash chat. And we can book a call with someone on my team to see if I uh, can support you. And if we can, then we'll point you in the right direction. All right, let's dive in. So let's continue to this conversation because anyone listening, it's like, there's no like this or that. So let's go back to this specific scenario. We're not going to talk about the con. We'll talk about the consequences after in a minute, but I want to talk about leading up to it from a place of co-creation. If she has a story, the way her brain thinks, all the things, sometimes we're setting our children up for failure because we're coming out from our our way of thinking, our responsibility, our maturity, and not realizing that other people just don't have the capacity to do so. And we think they're lying to us. So put yourself in her shoes for a second. Go back to that specific scenario where we were talking about she's breaking rules. And how could you, in hindsight, have co-created the experience with her differently? After the fact? After the fact or even before the fact, knowing what you know now? Okay. So if I know that she is, she has the desire to be outside, explore, potentially connect with like a neighbor or a friend, um, and that's going to come up, then I think coming up with her not just like the the list of stuff I want her to do that day, 
and then kind of hoping she makes good decisions for the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe talking about the things she desires to do, like those that we talked about, and then say, hey, like, um, maybe you'll want to go over to the neighbors. Maybe you'll want to go there. So what, how can you, like, what, what needs to be done before you do that? Mm-hmm. And she can remember her watch and then I don't know, like asking her what will help you remember that so that it's not an issue. Cause it, you know, almost like normalizing it. Like sometimes I forget to do something I said I would do and then it can cause issues. Um, so just getting her to buy in to like knowing that's the expectation and then how can we help her to carry it out um, in the moment. And then if it doesn't work, which it won't sometimes, right? Like being able to ask her, like try really hard not to get sucked into that energy of just being frustrated and kind of that, like, how can we possibly not remember this again? Right. And it feels like it's Groundhog Day and we're doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, perhaps, yeah, trying to seek her input into troubleshooting, like why, what went wrong and what do you think we can do differently to help you remember those things? So I don't want to like, I don't want her to be dependent on us to remind her of every single thing she needs to do all the time. Right. I want you to see what happened just there. Two specific things that I want to bring up. One, Sarah said, I can ask her what she desires. How often do we ask our children in general, what do you desire? And first of all, sometimes that can be a wildly intimidating question to ask a child or a teenager, even a young adult, because of decision fatigue. But I want to think of, I want you to think of yourself or people you know and where the actual people pleaser comes from. People become people pleasers because as children, we've been taught to act and perform for other people. So a lot of children perform and act based on how the adults around them act. And what I mean by that is if a child, if you say, what do you want to do? And the child says, I don't know. That may be actual fact that they don't know because one, they're not thinking about it, but two, they're, we're, they're living in the moment. So sometimes asking a child of like, what are your desires? What do you want to do? I know for adults, that takes like a lot of critical thinking skills and time and space. And to be honest, we just don't actually do that. So I think it's so good to get the child's input and also say, I want, you know, I'm going to ask you today, I'm, I want you to think about what you want to accomplish this week or what you want to do when your chores are done. And then she could be like, you know what? I'd like to go to the neighbor's house. She may not say it in the moment, but I think the fact that you're even asking your children, what do you want is such a beautiful and like generational pattern breaker. And I don't think we realize that because most of the time children were taught to be seen and not heard. So our desires actually didn't matter. And the other thing I want to bring up is that I just held space for Sarah and I said, what do you think would have actually worked in this scenario? And you saw her. Sarah came up with her own solution. And then she made a comment of like, the challenge is not, you know, getting sucked into the frustration of it. So 
I believe that we can actually come up with our own solutions, but we need to be held accountable to doing so. Because what happens is we're living our lives in survival state as adults and parents, that we're just going from one task to the next task to the next task, that we're not actually stopping and thinking and going, how could I have handled that better? We just keep moving. We just keep going to the next task, which is why I talk about living in a thrival state and that survival mode is selfish. And that when we think taking care of ourselves is taking away from other people, we don't realize that staying in that fight or flight response ourselves in that survival state does not serve our children because we need brain capacity in order to solve problems in order to become critical thinkers. So huge props for Sarah to coming up with her own solution. And then the next challenge is the perfectionism that comes out of parenting when we start implementing and we don't know if we're doing it right or wrong. Okay. So I will, I'm going to challenge that specific thought. Um, Mm -hmm. I was told by a physician who we were working with my son and I said, I'm incredibly frustrated as a parent to have to remind him of doing everything. He's old enough. He should know this. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. immediately he called me out and he said, Mm -hmm. his brain doesn't function that way nor does he have the capacity to do that at this time. Six months from now, a year from now, maybe. And I know it's annoying, but you are projecting an expectation that he is incapable of doing at this time. And so I realized that I was projecting my own frustration onto him. And then I thought, if I'm frustrated with this situation, imagine how he is since he is in his own mind and body and how stressful that is. So backing up a little bit, one, there's a complete paradigm shift here of the relationship. So when I asked you at the beginning, how do you want to feel? You said connected. Communication, the way we communicate with children and other people and the way we have relationship with people is a big factor in how the outcome, right? So if we're observing a behavior and saying like, like someone's like, I keep forgetting something. They're saying, I keep forgetting something. Like that's what their behavior is. I can't remember. I can't remember. But a child is not going to say that to you. They're like, I don't know. I don't know. But their behavior is indicating that they're not doing that properly. Right? Yes. So number one, I just stop talking. Like I will tell you, right? Especially females, like the female brain, we love to talk. You need to talk like 95% less. Mm Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I could probably cut this down 50%, this down 50%. So number one, and then two is like, you don't need to have the answer. You are not the expert. Your child is the expert. What you have to do is hold them accountable and not ease up on letting them get away with it. So it's like, I don't have the answer, but let's figure this out together. (laughs) So then the first day goes by and you're like, oh, she did it again. That didn't work. But what did work? You're like, oh, well, she, I don't know. She took, she had her watch on, but the watch wasn't charged. Right. You're like, that's oh. happened. <laughs> yes. And you're like, well, crap. Okay. So now what do we need to do? Okay. Part of the nighttime routine is the watch plugged in. Like you watch and observe until you keep tweaking and tweaking the process until it's working. Mm-hmm. 
And, but she has to be a part of the process. What went well today? Well, yeah, look, I, I charged my watch today. Good job. Yeah. But then I forgot to put it on again. Okay, cool. Now, what can we do? Can I put a sticky right at the door? Are you going to be able to see that? Where Mm -hmm. can we put this? So you will remember, do we put it on your shoes? Do we put it next to a snack? What do you need? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do we need to put the watch right next to the door? Like what is going to work? Right. And and then is there a reward that you can have? I don't want to say maybe at the end of the week, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know why this is coming up, but if she loves cats, have you ever been to like a cat cafe? Yes. We went to one one time and she loved it. Loved okay. It. <laughs> so it's like something fun that you're like, mm-hmm. I have like, let's go on an experience. And I'd be like, you're doing great. Like it's mm-hmm. more empowering rather than this like dictatorship. Like we're trying to be conscious. We're trying to be nice and loving, but we're still like, secretly shaming our children and beating them down. And they feel hopeless because they don't have the skills that we have as adults, that we have had time and discipline to refine. Mm -hmm. Totally. So I know it's a complete shift from communication. And then of course your partner is not here to have this conversation with everyone, parents from a different place. But what is the number one thing that you have to remember as an adult when you're communicating to her? Probably talk less, number one. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind, even when I want to spew all the things. Say less and remembering that the connection between us is more important than the results that I want from her. Mm Mm-hmm. And so the other thing that stood out to me was like not viewing her as just being frustrating on purpose, right? Um, but as missing skills that take time and patience to help her develop. Yeah. So talk less and ask her more questions. Mm-hmm. She's also allowed to be rebellious because she has control. Mm -hmm. She has control of bending the rules. She has control of omitting information, right? Yes. That Mm -hmm. does develop lack of trust and all of these things, but it's what she can control. And the reason why she controls these things is because she feels out of control emotionally, internally. Yeah. I'm not sure. The same reason why you try to control her behavior. So it's like, I tell people all the time, we are adults trying to manipulate and control these children to do our thing because we feel out of control emotionally and they're doing the same thing to us. But because we're adults, we get away with it and because they're children. So At the same time, when you can hold her accountable to her word and co-create with her. So I will Mm -hmm. say to my son, for example, okay, you don't like my curfew. What time would you like to come home? 
one o'clock, two o'clock, five o'clock. I don't care. Tell me a time. Yeah. I would much rather you be impeccable with your word, get lack of sleep and whatever else than me saying you need to be home at this time or this is going to happen. But if I co-create the conversation, he perceives, he thinks he has control, which is great, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to hold him accountable to what he actually says. Right. And then I also say, okay, cool. If this happens, but, but you don't come home at that time, or you're leaving the house and you're not wearing your watch, what's the natural consequence of that? Or what's the consequence of that? Mm-hmm. Well, if I do that, then when you guys get home, no screen time for the rest of the night or like come up with a solution so that she agrees that if she can't remember something, then she pays her own consequence that she already pre-picked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you, when you do that, you're not taking away. You're still co-creating with her. Right. Right. So getting them, getting her aligned on why certain things matter, right, to us Mm -hmm. and knowing she's going to have, you know, it's going to be hard to get her to buy in sometimes or maybe she won't. But um, kind of if she doesn't have that, if she doesn't like see why we care or it's important, it's going to be hard for her to motivate herself to Mm -hmm. reach that standard. Yeah. And also the opposite too. So if it's like, if you want, um, it's like, what do you want? Like, do you, do you want to buy something? Do you want to experience something? Okay, cool. Let's do this consecutively and then we'll go do that thing. So it's like getting her to buy in into those experiences. Also Mm -hmm. allowing humanizing yourself, like letting her know how you forget things, letting her know how you, um, you know, don't like certain rules or something like that. So letting her know she's not alone in that mm-hmm. experience, but this is such a more empowering way as a parent to like co-create with a child, especially a child who has a lot of trauma, because the more you actually try to control. So from an energy perspective, the more you try to control number one, she's going to push back and it actually creates a disconnect between both of you and your relationship. Yeah. Okay, I want to make a quick comment about what Sarah said, where it's going to be difficult to get her to buy in. This is another one of those things that I think modern parenting has really screwed us with. And we forget that we actually are the authority. We are the adult. And this is a whole other podcast conversation, but I want you to think about you as the culture creator. Like you literally create the culture in your home. You create the energy in your home. So if you go into a uh, place of work, whether, you know, if you work in an office or with a whole bunch of employees or team, you understand the culture, right? You may love it. You may not love it. You may be self-employed and you're like, I wish I had people to talk to, but I don't. My point is you are the culture creator of your home. So if Sarah is giving her power away to her child, you can still feel confident, have authority in your home, be assertive, but not be aggressive. And that's an energy. I see that you don't want to check in with us, but unfortunately, we care about you. And that's a non-negotiable. 
So how can you check in with us, right? How can you follow a rule while also having the freedom to be yourself? These are just modern challenges. And I will tell you over and over and over again, when I am working with women specifically, one of the greatest challenges that I see is us giving our power away to our children because we feel guilty. And part of leading is owning how you want to feel, understanding that you create the culture in your home, raising your standards for your children, and also being okay that they are going to have pushback and it's going to make them emotionally uncomfortable. Let's continue. So what I've noticed, especially when I'm working with like children and teenagers, um, especially ones who have had a lot of trauma, number one, they just want to avoid, right? They're like, Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to engage with you. And I'm like, okay, cool. You can take as long as you want on your terms, but I'm going to keep having this conversation with you until you engage with me. And it will be on your terms, but I am not giving up on you. And that consistency of showing up as an adult is what the child needs. Just consistently saying, I am going to be the constant in your life that's going to show up for you. I'm not giving up, but you have a say too. Your voice matters. And that is terrifying to somebody who has been ridiculed, punished, neglected, abandoned. And that takes time. And that's how you build trust with her. So you want to, you want trust with her and she keeps breaking it. But in reality, Mm -hmm. she number one needs to first develop trust with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's all I want at the end of the day, right? In the big scheme of her childhood is for us to have this relationship where she knows she can come talk to me and I'm not going to like shame her, abandon her, anything. Like I'll tell it to her straight, but I want her to be able to feel like I'm a safe base for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> With the face of, oh crap, here we go. Oh God. <laughs> yes. Less talking, more questions. Yes. Yeah. Less talking, more questions. My go-to is always like, if this child was an animal that I rescued from like a dog, <clears throat> from a pound, like, and I know that Mm -hmm. sounds awful to think of children and (laughs) animals, but to me, it's like nature, right? Like this is a nature, this is a creature. I would not be going up to that dog and just giving it hugs and being like, come on, let's go. Like I wouldn't have any subtle movements. I would be slow and steady and constant for that dog to learn how to trust me. And that is what we need to do with our children because regardless if they're biological children or not, an adult has broken their trust along the way. And therefore they have this story that all adults are going to abandon me. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. What is she teaching you about yourself? Oh, so much. Um, Probably the biggest consistent thing has been related to the control like the illusion of control is is an illusion and it's a it's not helpful in building connection Mm -hmm. yeah oh boy 
Yes. And she's the one who uh, pushed you into motherhood. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I see why now she's in your life. I know. I know. She's teaching me a lot. These children know exactly where to get us. Like I say, it doesn't matter how a child comes come to you like children can read adults so well that Mm -hmm. they're just like oh there's the there's the weak spot i'm gonna i'm just gonna go in and get it um and if we're open and willing to receive she's teaching you like how can i be a little more flexible with my controlling but also how can i hold her accountable and that to me is the art of like Caring versus controlling, where it's like this ebb and flow, this contraction of you can't be too controlling, you can't be too loose. And to me, that's the balance everyone is creating or craving. And it's so intuitive. So there's like a fine line there. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, she's she's helped me so much with um, figuring out like what I think my stress management is and tools to work on that, but it has to be like the real deal, right? In the moment, because she is very, very perceptive with energy. So she can sense if I'm deeply stressed underlying, but like projecting a calm breath, she can sense that. So like I've had to be more real with myself. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, of course. Thank you. So there you have it, the art of caring versus controlling and how control doesn't actually build connection. I want to hear from you. I know this may be an episode that you need to listen to again and again, but once you do and you get one of your little aha moments, whatever that is, I really want to hear what it is. So head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash chat, C-H-A-T. You can send me a video, an audio, or an email. Um, and if you want support in your parenting, then head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N dot com forward slash chat as well. And let me know what's going on and I'll send you a link and we will book a call to see if it's aligned with your child's behavior and what you're challenged with in parenting as well. And remember, go subscribe to our private parenting podcast. That's Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash parenting. It's 100% free. And I will be adding more questions, more Q&A and parenting focused um, podcasts over there. 